This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday the 14th of March. In your Squiz today, she lays out China's goals, the death toll goes up in Bakhmut, La Nina's headed on her way, and all the Oscars glory. This is your Squiz today. Chinese President Xi Jinping closed the National People's Congress yesterday. And for those who don't know, that's essentially the national parliament. But before he did, he outlined his key priorities for his historic third term as the country's leader, Claire. Yeah, and national security is at the top of his agenda. And to boost that, he says he wants to build the military, uh, and this is the quote, into a great wall of steel that effectively safeguards national sovereignty, security and development interests. Uh, Along with that, there's a focus on national rejuvenation and reunification. Uh, Xi says that China will actively oppose any external forces that support Taiwan's independence. Uh, We've talked about Taiwan a bit in the past, not so much in recent times, but essentially Taiwan is a democratic self-ruling island that China sees as part of its own territory. Uh, And Xi's reunification ambition uh, stretches to that. He wants to bring Taiwan back under China's direct control. And just on that, Claire, he said yesterday that China will promote peaceful development of cross-strait relations, but he hasn't ruled out the use of force to bring Taiwan in into line. It's been a source of tension between China, the US and other Western nations. And more recently, there's been fears that it could escalate into a full-blown war. Yeah, that's exactly right. And their fears that Australia also holds. Uh, US intelligence says that China doesn't necessarily want to go to war, particularly after seeing the way Russia's invasion of Ukraine has gone down. Uh, And last week, the Central Intelligence Agency Director William Burns said that it's something that President Xi has to weigh as he comes out of zero COVID and tries to restore China's economy. Of course, these wars are very expensive and China really does have some ground to make up. And this all neatly brings us to the AUKUS Security Pact, Claire. The US and its allies, namely Australia and the UK, don't want to take any risks with words like war being thrown around. So a boost to Australia's military capabilities could help to manage China's ambitions in the Indo-Pacific region. We're due to hear from PM Anthony Albanese, President Joe Biden and PM Rishi Sunak on those defence plans at about 8am this morning. Claire, fighting in the small eastern Ukrainian city of Bakhmut continues. It's really become the focal point of the war over the last couple of weeks as Russia tries to claim it. And now there's been new reports out that detail the troop losses on both sides. Yeah, it sounds like it was a particularly bloody week last week. Mm. Ukraine has claimed to have killed 1,100 Russian soldiers last week. Uh, Russia, for its parts, has claimed 220 Ukrainian 
Tasmanian deaths in one single day. Uh, media reports say that neither of those numbers have been verified. Uh, but to your point, Backwood doesn't have much strategic importance and at this stage it's mostly been destroyed as a city. Uh, so both Russia and Ukraine have vowed victory over that city and they're really using the battle to wear down the opposing side. And the question is what impact that has on the broader war. And in the meantime, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's awarded military honours to a prisoner of war who was killed by Russian soldiers in an apparent war crime. Oleksandr Matsyevsky was identified after his death was filmed and circulated online. Reports say he was killed after yelling, glory to Ukraine. Claire, on Friday, the Silicon Valley Bank shut down in the US and it's notable because it's the second largest bank failure in America's history. Since then, officials have rushed to protect against too much fallout from that and in what looks like a preemptive move to avoid more instability in the financial world, another bank has been closed. Yeah, that was New York's signature bank. Reports say that it was on edge and officials moved in yesterday. Uh, the US Treasury Department has also stepped in and it's promised that all customers will be able to access their money in full. Uh, that's important because in the case of the Silicon Valley Bank, uh, there was a bank run, which meant that the funds dried up and customers weren't able to access their accounts. Uh, it all comes as President Biden made a statement about the situation overnight. Yeah, he says there will be an investigation to stop the same breakdown from happening again and that there's important questions of how the banks got into that circumstance in the first place. Aussie banks also released a statement yesterday that reiterates their strength and our treasurer Jim Chalmers said that our institutions are solid. This will be news to the ears of a lot of squizzes on the East Coast, Claire. The Bureau of Meteorology is set to deliver the latest climate driver update today and it's expected to declare an official end to La Nina. Alice, as a Sydney sider that's seen record rain last year, I'm going to have to find a new topic to talk about, which is going to be <laughs> difficult. <laughs> but yeah, what's happened in the last few days is that American officials have said that La Nina is over. Uh, La Nina, of course, is that wet and cold weather pattern that has really had Eastern Australia in its thrall for the last three years. Uh, anyone who has experienced those floods, uh, all that rainfall and just sort of never-ending sogginess is probably really happy to see the back of La Nina. Um, they might be hoping for, though, like I am, for just some uneventful weather that's quite average, that would be quite nice. Uh, but what the experts say is that there's a high probability uh, of extreme heat and dry conditions developing this year and beyond. Yeah, that's likely to come in the form of El Nino. And with all the growth that's come from the rain, the Climate Council has already warned of a powder keg that's ready to burn when it dries off in hot conditions. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Superannuation can sometimes feel like just another overwhelming life admin chore. But as a member of Aware Super, you'll have access to lots of free online tools to help you, like their My Retirement Planner, which allows you to see how much you might need for retirement and comes with an easy to understand plan of how to get there. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au. 
Everything Everywhere All at Once was tipped to win big at the Oscars, Claire, and it didn't disappoint. The independently made film's cast and crew scored seven awards yesterday. Yeah, an incredible seven awards. It scored Best Picture and Best Director, uh, and it was in a neck-and-neck battle with All Quiet on the Western Front, which won Best International Film. Uh, But Everything Everywhere All at Once pulled away when it won the three top acting awards. That went to Michelle Yeoh. Uh, She got Best Actress. Um, Ki Hui Kwan, who won Best Supporting Actor, and Jamie Lee Curtis, who won Best Supporting Actress. Uh, That made it the third film in the history of the Oscars to claim three acting gongs. So it's really notable. Uh, It leaves one notable award and that went to Brendan Fraser. He scored Best Actor for his performance in The Whale. Yeah, Claire, Brendan is one of my childhood favourites. I loved him in George of the Jungle, but he's come a long way (laughs) since then. So I love that he's an Oscar winner now. Also putting in a performance was Hugh Grant. He has a bit of a reputation for being a grump and he lived up to that in an interview on on the champagne-coloured carpet. And, Claire, it's not the Oscars without an epic look at the fashions. We'll put our pick of the galleries and the complete list of winners in the episode notes today. Squeeze the day, Claire. What do you have your eye on? Weirdly enough, it's the 10th anniversary today of Xi Jinping becoming the President of the People's Republic of China. Mm. Uh, That was back in 2013. And, of course, all as he starts this historic third term. Yeah, you can set your watch to it. And that wraps us up today. Thank you for listening and we'll be back with you tomorrow. G'day, I'm Kate Watson, co-host of News Club. News Club this week was an interview with Lauren Sams. She's the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. She's all over the business of fashion and retail, so I pulled her in to talk to us about fast fashion and ultra-fast fashion. In particular, businesses like Timu and Shein, who in Australia alone are on track to record more than $2 billion in sales. Here's a clip from that conversation. What is happening is that it's recalibrating fashion as a single-use item. Mm. So when you think about something that's 6 or $7, you know, my, I bought coffee this morning and that was $5.50 and that that's a single-use item to me. You know, I, I have my coffee. Like actually is, like you cannot use that twice. No. <laughs> and so when you're talking about a dress yeah. that's sort of an equivalent price – People equate it with something that doesn't need to be valued. Um, You don't need to wear it again. To listen to the full interview, just search for News Club in your podcast app and hit follow.